Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hello, everybody. I'm Paul Carruthers, the communications manager for Moto America. I've got with my partner here, Sean Bice, and this is Off Track with Crothers and Bice. It's our weekly Moto America podcast. And this, Sean, this is the farthest one we've ever done, yeah. right? So, like, right. we're, we're really got to count on, like, the phone gods <laughs> or something to make it or make it come through. But we've got yeah. with, we've got Troy Harfuss with us today, and he's obviously he's in Australia. And this is a guy that I, it's funny because I was doing a little research because I kind of knew, but, you know, I'm old enough that I forget. So uh, I did a little research and this this is a guy that like the kids need to know this, right? This guy won an X game gold medal in Supermoto yes. and he was an AMA Supermoto champion. And yes. this was this was when Supermoto was in its prime, right? I mean, this is like the days of Supermoto before it kind of fell off a roof. But so this guy can ride a motorcycle, right? Yeah, and, and, a, lot, okay, a lot of and, different kinds. Right, and then we got to remember that he's a three-time Australian superbike champion, and we're not right. talking 10 years ago. We're talking this year was his third one. So the guy's ripe, and he and he's coming to America. And I know that's what he's been wanting because I've, I've read some stories where he was kind of throwing it out there that, hey, uh, you know, I might go to British Superbike or I might go to AMA, uh, Moto America Superbike, but he never really mentioned King of the Baggers. And Sean, did it, does it surprise you that you're coming to America, but that's what you're doing? Yeah, it's totally surprising. That's crazy that he would, uh, I, I was like, come on, Superbike Troy, come on. Yeah, but so, you know, it's, it's great. Totally, Troy, Yeah, I, I, tell us a little bit about how this all came together. Yeah. Well, first, thanks for having me, guys. We've established now that I, I can ride a motorbike okay, but I definitely don't know the time zones. And we don't have good internet here at the airport, but anyway, we're making it happen. I'm sorry your first international podcast has been a bit of a delay, but yeah, um, what a bit about me, I, I'm, this come about just through me, I, I spent 10 years with um, Honda Superbike in Australia, really enjoyable time, like I, I, had, I loved my time there and um, had a few ups and downs and, and just got to a stage in my, my life career where I, I feel like I've got a few good years left in me and I want to see what... I'm capable of and and um, mainly step outside my comfort zone and um and that was my thought process was you know british superbike american superbike um but boy have i found found a, a way of stepping out of my comfort zone i um i had a ride on the the two bikes i'll be riding the bagger and the ftr and yeah i'm, I'm well and truly outside my comfort zone but it's a lot of fun <laughs> did you say you rode them already yeah i i, I snuck over um and done a done a couple of days in in texas at a small track uh eagles kenyon yes and, we um, know that track yeah. yeah yeah and it was amazing amazing facility actually i really enjoyed it it was quite cold and a bit wet but um yeah a lot of fun well you i mean you, your timing couldn't be any better because the the king of the baggers thing is just it's just taken off right and i mean this year you're going to get to ride a race a bagger in front of the world at MotoGP at Coda. You're going to get to race uh, at Daytona. In addition to, well, Coda twice, actually, in addition to all our other racetracks. I mean, I don't think you could have timed this any better. And I mean, you know, timing is everything. 
Yeah, and that, honestly, that's how my career started professionally. I, I was I had come out of junior dirt track or flat track in Australia, and I was racing a bit of supermoto at the time, wanting to go road racing. And supermoto was a cheap way cheap way to do it. I could crash the bike and pick it up, and it was not broken. And and um and anyway, a couple of a couple of American riders come out to Australia, and and I done okay, and and um, I got my start in AMA supermoto. That was in two thousand and five, just as the series was sort of really ramping up. And um, and that sort of springboarded my career really. So um, this isn't the first time that I've I've sort of snuck into a series in um when it's on the ups. So yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping I can enjoy a few years in in the states. Really, like my goal is to. Well, it's funny. I, I have no idea where I stand. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I know the level of riders in America is high, and and the bikes are, are all good, and and it's a really competitive series. But you know, I've I have no idea about these bikes and my competitors. I'm just coming in there, you know, wanting to try something different, and um, and I'll and I'll do my best and see how it goes. But um, yeah, like my goals, I do have a lot of ambition for the next few years while I'm I'm still kind of young and and still fit and healthy, and um, and this is a great stepping stone. Yeah, you know, so yesterday I uh, uh, Troy, I, I texted David Anthony. Um, and being Australian, I asked him if he knew you and he said he knew of you, but he's one writer that he has not met. And I said, yeah, well, I get it. It's like just because you're from Australia, it's like you don't know every Australian. He goes, well, I know all the writers, but Troy happens to be one that I haven't met yet. So he's looking forward to meeting you. But uh, he was testing yesterday at uh, the Podium Club in Arizona. But when you when you raced in in the 2000s, um, mid 2000s to late 2000s uh, in, in Supermoto. Did you live in the United States during that time period? Yeah, I lived, um, I, the, the, I did two years with Husqvarna, um, two seasons with KTM. And, and the first year I was um, staying in San Diego, I was back and forth. But the, the 06, 7, 8 seasons, I, I lived in America. Um, I, I just, I floated between Temecula KDM's base and and uh, Wisconsin. I rode for Mitch Hansen's HMC um, KTM team, and so I stayed in Wisconsin. Road America was Road America is actually the only track I've I've been on a road bike with. Um, that was my introduction to road racing, actually, and uh, yeah, yeah, enjoyed living out there. And I'm gonna gonna hopefully get back out to um, catch up with Mitch after 16 years, and, and uh, yeah, it'll be nice to see some old friends. Well, go ahead, Sean. Uh, so just two things back on Supermoto. I got to drop a name in here too, but I, so you were, yeah, as Paul said, man, you were right there during the high point. I mean, obviously it was Doug Henry and, um, you know, the Bostroms and uh, Mickey Diamond and all those guys that were doing, doing all that Supermoto during that time period. It was a huge thing. I have to ask you about one person that may have been working with you during that time period. And he's been here. He's been everywhere. Did Was Ron Heben on that team during that time period? You ever heard the name uh, Ron He Heben? wasn't on the team at that time. Okay. Yeah, I, I know Ron, and it, he wasn't involved with the supermoto. At okay, the time, no, I know, but I met him quite a few times, and yeah, yeah, great guy. Yeah, it's just funny. He's. T- I remember he talked about KTM. I think he worked with Chris Fillmore at one point there for a while too. So, yeah, um, so I've got a feeling. Would that have been the superbike when they went to the superbike program? Maybe 
Yeah, he it, it could have been during that time period. I guess you just have one more, Paul, before I, for this part. So there's a guy that lives near me. I live in central Ohio, Troy. I'm sure you know Mark Burkhart, who's like from this area. Did, he raised uh, yeah, young. He was, I, I really looked up to Mark. Mark was um he was he was really the the best all round submoto rider in the states, if you ask me. And um and yeah, through his prime, I sort of had to deal with that. <laughs> he was. Uh, <laughs> He was just a really, really good rider, and and I actually stayed with him a bit and really looked up to him actually, um, just his um his work process and, and how he went about the weekends. Um, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed trying to to catch him, and enjoyed <laughs> enjoyed the times I got to beat him, but it was That's few cool. and far between. <laughs> so is the plan? Do you, you I know you've got a family. Are they all going to come? Uh, you, you're not going to go back and forth. Probably it's kind of expensive and a pain in the butt. But uh, are they planning on coming over? How's how's this? Where are you going to be based? How's this all going to work? Or do we not know yet? Yeah, we're 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 all in. We're we're, we're um, jumping in, and uh, we'll stay we'll stay stateside somewhere for that that main part of the season for about three to four months with the whole family. And I will fly in and fly out for probably Daytona and, and the Coda Road Atlanta races. Um, but, yeah, planning to be there as much as I can. And, yeah, like, I mean, if I could, ha- if I had my way, I'd just be, I'd be already living there. Right? <laughs> but um, I've got to work out whether I'm actually competitive on this, on this bike yet and uh, how I fit in with the team and, and the series. And, um, but, yeah, if, um, if I could, if I could have the way I want it to pan out, I'll be, I'll be living, living stateside for a few years. I think you'll be all right. Did when you the, the hooligan bike probably felt pretty similar to I guess kind of supermoto-ish a little bit, right? Yeah, it did, and I, and, I, and the team didn't sort of mention to me that the, it's an interesting bike and and not not probably as easy as as I would think to ride. But I, honestly, I rolled out of pit lane on that bike, and it felt like I was at a supermoto track. It, it was amazing, <laughs> like so much torque. <laughs> Um, you know, low center of gravity. It stops. It turns. It was, it was really a thrill compared to after riding a super bike with you know 200 plus horsepower. To get on that bike with with just you know not huge amounts of horsepower, but a good easy torque range. It was it was so much fun. I just kept doing lap after lap after lap on it. Did you put your foot down? <laughs> I I tried, and it's funny the team will. Yeah, they can win on this. At the end of my first run, um, where the the last corner there, it's a bit of a sort of a, a hairpin turn. And um, anyway, I thought I'm going to put my foot down and and just back it in like a supermoto bike. Use a bit of rear brake, and the rear brake was way touchier than I thought. <laughs> the rear hung out and come back around and danced around. I went straight off into the gravel and um, had to ride back through through the gravel into pit lane. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, I'm a bit rusty after 16 years without supermoto. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you dangle your leg in road racing, Troy? Like they a lot of them do nowadays. Yeah, I generally definitely when I'm panicking, I, my leg comes out. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my right leg for some reason a bit, but I'm probably probably a little bit little bit old school, a little bit like that way. So I'm I'm not yeah. as um, you don't see my leg out every corner, but yeah, it definitely helps. I, I definitely do think it helps um, with straightening the bike out from back, backing the bike in, keeps a bit of weight over the rear tyre. It's got its advantages, but, um, yeah, I don't I don't put the leg out too much. Getting too old for that. I, um, <laughs> it takes a lot of energy to have the foot out of that. 
<laughs> so it, you're three time and defending Australian Superbike champion. Are you? Is this an either or? Are you going to go defend your championship next year? Uh, I'm I'm actually headed to Sydney Motorsport Park to do some testing with with a friend of mine's team this weekend, and um, there is a possibility I, I can race. Um, I think six out of the seven rounds in Australian Superbike um, don't clash, and um, that that would be ideal because I I'll be home for a lot of them, and and um, the more time on the bike, the better because I don't think we I'm not sure how much testing I'll be doing with the bagger this year, so. Um, I'd like to keep my eye on a, on a super bike, um, but it's at the moment it's just small talk and just a few test days in Australia with a super bike to to help my friend out and and um, see where it goes from there. With how late the the announcement, I mean, I read an interview with you and I think it was middle of December and you were still talking about not knowing what you were going to do except you decided you weren't going to return to the team and back to the Australian series. Did. <laughs> Were you? Did you get to the point where you were worried, like maybe I'm not going to be getting anything, or or was it always like, oh, I'm good? Yeah, I was worried, and and when I announced, you know, a week out from the final round of the Australian Superbike Championship that I wasn't going to continue, um, you know, 99 of people thought that I'd already done a deal somewhere, and um, but I, I hadn't done a deal at all. I, honestly, I was sort of a point in my career where I, I thought. I, I need to do something different, and I and I'm really comfortable here, so I so it's easy to stay here. Um, but I was sort of at a, of the opinion that if there wasn't anything out for out there for me, um, maybe it's time for me to move on. I don't want to stop racing. You know, I feel like I'm riding as good as I ever have, but I just I really wanted to put myself out of my, out of my comfort zone, and um, so I, I made that announcement with nowhere to go. And and yeah, I, I can tell you now. The, the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten days after the Superbike series was over, and and there was only really a bit of small talk happening. I'm thinking, oh, maybe maybe I'm not, um, maybe I'm not needed anywhere. There's no spot for me. But um, I, I made some contact to to the guys at Motor America and British Superbike, and and things started to happen pretty quickly. And uh, and there was some opportunity out there, British Superbike, and and um, as well. But but honestly, the 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 baggers ride with Indian. It's it's very very interesting and it's a, and it's out of my comfort zone and and um and like you said the series is on the upward slope and and you don't know where it's going to go from here so to be a part of it and to be part of a factory team I mean we went to the first test and it's factory <laughs> like there's you know there's a really smart group of guys there that are really motivated and and keen and then you've got the rivalry between Indian and Harley, oh, yeah. it's, 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 it's like, there's so much about this ride that's motivating to me. Um, I just can't wait to get out there. I just hope I can learn the tracks, you know, fast enough to be competitive. Was your teammate Tyler there or not at the test? Yeah, it was just Tyler and I, and we had both the bikes and, and, um, yeah, and, I, and I'd ridden with Tyler. He raced Supermoto right, uh, right. in my final years of Supermoto America. So, so we hadn't seen each other in a lot of years, but that was that was fun to catch up with him and and um and try and and try and learn a bit about what makes him tick. It's it's a it's a fun atmosphere. It's if you can figure out what makes Tyler O'Hara tick, you got it. You you're better than us, Troy, because we can't figure it out. He's an interesting character, <laughs> but but that's cool. I had a feeling. Yeah, there's a, you there's, knew a Tyler. there's a high level of intensity with Tyler. So oh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I had a feeling you knew him from those days because he's been racing a long time too. So um, as, did he have any influence on you racing on that team? Did he talk to them at all? Do you know? Uh, so I, I actually done the deal um, maybe a month before it was announced and, and he had to sign a, a confidentiality agreement and stuff like that. And I actually wasn't sure, you know, who the, who the, the other rider would be. And um, so I, I didn't, I didn't even speak to him at all. And uh, and even I'd, I've had a, a lot of experience with Jared Mees as well, and obviously an Indian Indian flat track rider. And I wanted to reach out to him as well, but I, I was uh, I, you're scared I who, who I could speak to. So I just uh, I done the deal and hoped that it was going to be okay. But yeah, once I got there to make the guys, I was yeah, I was relieved. I I made the right decision. And and Tyler's a good guy. Yeah, he, yeah. he's really motivated to yes to do well. And and um. You know the the feeling I get from Tyler and the team is it's about Indian motorcycles winning races, and so so we work together and um, get the best result possible. Yeah, it's very serious stuff. So tell us about in Australia. Uh, this is kind of a two part question. What is the awareness of King of the Baggers in Australia, and what is the awareness of Indian motorcycle in Australia? Where where do those two kind of brands sit in your country? Um, okay, so the Bagger series. I mean, personally, I, I've had some interest in it. Um, and a couple of years ago, Travis Wyman came out and finished the a few rounds of the Australian Superbike Championship, and and he was that was the year he battled with Tyler for the championship. So I caught up with him, and and I actually remembered him from I think the first time I met Travis was like Red Bull Rookies Cup, and I was racing as a supermoto rider for the the same team. And um, so I had a bit of interest in the Bagger series, and and obviously, like you just see, you know, Instagram clips show up that are getting stupid amounts of viewers, you know, with McWilliams with <laughs> sliding the bike around the corners, and right, and, um, you know, like what's another one? Like yeah, yeah, guys, guys just doing big. Oh, Rispoli's thing on the banking. <laughs> um, so I, that's right, Rispoli's. He's probably it probably takes the cake really. Yeah, <laughs> um, I hope I never experience that to be honest but um yeah so there, there is awareness and we do we we do follow and know about them and and for me with indian motorcycles my main mechanic um glenn granger for the last 10 years with, at honda he works for indian motorcycles and so for me i i sort of i know it i know a bit about indian motorcycles but um i i don't think the presence of sorry the presence of of indian and harley in australia is big maybe not quite as big as in the States, but um, they do take up a lot of the market. And, um, yeah, that's – for me personally, I've, I've specialised in, in racing superbikes and, um, you know, performance bikes at the highest level, and it's only the last few years we've seen baggers on track. So up until the last couple of years, my only real experience with these style of bikes, like the hooligan bikes, was through flat track. I've been a flat track fan for my whole life, so – um, yeah, as far as the baggers go, it's only the last couple of years, but yeah, I do know quite a bit about the flat track side of things. Well, so Troy, I got to ask you a couple, I always get hung up on these things, so I need to check your last name. Is it pronounced Herfus or Herfoss? Herfoss. Yeah. Herfoss. H-E-R-Foss. Foss. Okay. Exactly how it's pronounced, how it reads really. Yeah. Okay. That's easy enough. And and were you named after Troy Corser? Yeah. 
he's not young I enough. Wish I was. I was what, <laughs> Troy, so in Australia, we had Troy Bayless, Troy Corsart, and then Troy Bayless, yeah, on the, yeah. the national motocross side. There was Troy Doran and Troy Carroll, who were really good Australian motocross riders. And so, growing up, there was big shoes to fill. Whichever direction <laughs> I went, there was Troys that were really competitive. But um, yeah, he yeah, absolutely idolised um, Troy Corster and Troy Bayless growing up, as you know, yeah. as you would expect for an Australian rider. But yeah, big shoes to fill. But I don't think I was named after them riders, but I can't be sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Australia, I mean, Paul could tell you better than anybody, but man, Australia has quite a history of, well, certainly in road racing, we may not know about the flat track guys as much, but certainly there's a ton of them starting with Paul's dad, Kel Carruthers. I mean, I'm sure that Kel's somebody you know about from the, the, the history of, of the racing in Australia, but it, road racing is a pretty big deal in your country, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and that's why for me, like uh, growing up, Australia was, um, you know, Australia, America, they, they had a huge presence in MotoGP, 500 Grand Prix and, and uh, World Superbike. So, yeah, growing up, I, you know, I, I had big ambition because there was there was a lot of guys coming out of Australia and, and having success on the international stage. Um, it has got a lot harder in the last 10 or so years to, to sort of break out of the country, but worldwide, that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, the sport's a bit different to what it was in the early 90s, and that's 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 okay with me. But, um, yeah, I did grow up, um, yeah, really looking up to the Australian road races, and and so many guys had success in, in America. I mean, um, Matt Maladin's one of Matt Maladin's mechanics, Reg O'Rourke, was from my hometown. So oh, yeah, every, every year he'd bring home a poster for me and Matt, Matt would often visit home and in Goulburn and, and um, yeah, just look look up in awe and, and um, wonder how it's possible one rider can go so fast and win so many races. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, you, you did a lot of motocross, at, I've seen, and you also had bad injuries. Was that from motocross or was there two bad injuries in, in, in the same year or consecutive years? Uh, I had I've had one bad injury. I had a I had a small motocross injury last year, collarbone and some ribs. And um, oh, okay. but in 2021, I had a you know a, a fairly you know you would, you would say life threatening injury. <laughs> um, I, I had a, a crash in Darwin, a really really weird, a weird really weird part of the track to crash in, and um, made contact with the the air fence and the air fence. Oh exploded in the air and with the bike and I went under under the fence into the concrete the crash oh. was at 230 kilometers an hour mm. so I yeah I broke a lot of bones um tibia neck of femur humerus ribs toes finger um yeah it was really bad so I had to had a I think I've got from that one 22 screws and four plates and um put me out of action I was in a wheelchair for six weeks and you know, under full-time care from my wife and, and her family and uh yeah a real a real sort of turning point in my career really I was I, I wasn't a wild sort of rider at that stage but at that stage you sort of just get out and get it done and I get I reckon I use my brain a lot more these days um, <laughs> the way I go around the track's a bit more methodical now <laughs> but um yeah I've, I'm past that now and um that's probably the reason that you know at 37 I'm making this step overseas because I had a I had a really good year in 2018. I was on a two year deal with Honda at the time, and and then there was some possibility to go overseas. But hey, one more year, one year, year one more year on my contract, and um, end of 19, I didn't get to go overseas, and and then you know the world stopped in 2020, and COVID hit, um, and then the injury in 2021, and then you know digging myself out of the pits and and getting back to 
fitness and health in 2022 and then that that brings us to 2023 I, I, I got back to winning a championship again and that's why at 37 years old I'm trying this I actually wanted to try it five years ago but just the way the way things happened I didn't get the opportunity it's better with a little delay it means more right that's right yeah <laughs> and the baggers went around in 20, yeah. 2018 19 so I, I may have missed that boat so right. everything happens for a reason that's right Troy, you've you've transcended some eras with regard to motorcycle road racing. So you you came from a time where there wasn't a lot of electronics, to now there's a lot. Where are you at with electronics? Do you like what it gives you? Are are you happy to work with it? Is it, it is it a hindrance sometimes? Where where are you at with that whole thing? It's funny we just spoke about the injury because that that was a turning point for me as well. Um, I, I just got on a bike with a lot of electronics and I wasn't riding it in the in the way it probably needed to be ridden. Um, from the injury, um, yeah, I had to relearn how to ride with my body being a bit out of whack. And, and um, But it helped me learn the processes and, and how the electronics work and how you can make them work for you. And, um, and I can tell you, it's really enjoyable to ride a bike with good electronics. You can still slide the bike. Um, you still have a lot of power in your hand, but... It's um it's just a bit easier to, to hit a lap time lap after lap I imagine but um yeah for me it's it's been fun because you know at 30, 30 to thirty one years old we had this big change in in um, bikes and and um it's it's made it interesting you know there's more more toys to play with and and um something else to to sort of learn really so I mean it's and then getting on the bagger but it's a really raw bike everything's in your hand and yeah you know, everything's manually controlled and that's fun as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's I, I don't really have a preference. I mean, this weekend I'm, I'm going to ride a, a Ducati V4R with McDaniel Morelli Electronics and it's, you know, it's as close as I'll get to a MotoGP bike. And, um, you know, two weeks ago I was racing, riding around in a bagger. And, and honestly, I can't even tell you which one I'm having more fun on. They're, they're both fun in their own right. So, that's cool. yeah, I, I'm not an anti-electronics guy, but, um, yeah, I do enjoy the bagger when you can come from you know almost stalling the bike to having that much torque on your right hand that you can just smoke the rear tire up that's fun you can't do that on a on a super bike but um yeah the lap times you can achieve on a super bike these days that's that's pretty thrilling as well is daytona something you're looking forward to well yeah it is um it's it's just it's going to be scary basically like um, there's not a lot of track time for, for me, and um, you know, Rispoli didn't didn't give me a lot of confidence when I, <laughs> I the first YouTube clip I, I find of Daytona's, you know, him hanging on for dear life, and the way he explained it didn't exactly fill me with confidence. But no, I I think it'll be fun. Like it's going to be thrilling. And to be honest, not so much the track, just the the history of the event for me is probably the most thrilling thing. Like um, I grew up watching the Daytona 200 as well. So, yeah, I'm not racing the 200, but I'm racing around the track. I'm going to be there for the weekend and I'll be I'll be on the fence watching the race for sure on Sunday. The, I think the Sunday's the, the 200. Saturday. Yeah. We have Saturday. Yeah. We, have, we have Sunday as a makeup day if it rains or anything. So it's right. always Saturday. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. How, how do you, Troy, how do you fit on the Indian Challenger? I mean, I can't, I don't get a good sense. You know, I was surprised when I finally met Ruben Chouse face to face. He's pretty tall. I don't know if you're really tall. You you seem to be taller and thinner, but how do you fit on the bike? Your feet, are your feet touching? And I mean, obviously your seats are way up high and all that. How does it feel to be on that thing? 
Well, yeah, that's funny because my first chat with um, Gary Gray from Indian Motorcycles, yeah. one of his first questions was, how tall are you, Troy? And I, and I thought, oh, no, this is always a bad question because I'm, so, I'm too tall to ride superbikes. And um, I said, oh, I'm six foot tall. And he, and he said, oh, thank God, that's, that's good. That's really good. So <laughs> I was happy to hear that. And then when I got there, yeah, the bike is really tall. I mean, even for a six-foot rider, it's yeah, it is tippy toes. So, I, I hope that's going to be an advantage for me, and, and definitely tucking in for me is a lot easier on the bagger. So, um, that's that's been a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah, I mean, it's funny we we had Jake Lewis on the podcast recently, and I mean, he's like six four, the about the tallest guy in our paddock, and I mean, he fits pretty well on it. But then we talked to somebody like JD Beach who tried out Hayden Gillum's Harley, and it's it's a bit of a challenge. Of course, Patricia Fernandez last year is all of about five feet tall, so they, she couldn't even touch. They had to hold her up and catch her when she would come in sometimes. So you said you might be the prototype size. It sounds like. Yeah, I hope so. And, I, and I've listened to, I think, every every podcast that you guys have done that there's a possibility of talking about baggers I've listened to. So wow. I, I remember what Jake mentioned, that Patricia, her, her main, Patricia's main sort of worry of the weekend was getting out of the tight parts of pit lane. Yeah, 100%. So, so, yeah, it's, it's, and I was the same. We had the, where we had the, the bikes parked at Eagles Canyon, there was a little bit of a tight squeeze and, and um, but I, I I noticed they parked Tyler at the back, so he had to ride through the middle, and I think that was tactical because he had a bit more experience, so he could squeeze, negotiate the tight, the tight bit. Because um, yeah, riding out of pit lane, I mean, that bike's got so much torque. You, you press, you press the button to start that bike, and if it's in gear, it's taken off. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's quite intimidating to, to just sit there and idle the bike, and and like my first race start on the bike, I think it was, I think it was almost a tenth and a half faster than my best ever zero to 60 mile an hour like compared to a super bike because they just accelerate so fast so that it's really intimidating that first sort of that first experience with the bagger so it's um yeah it's definitely a bike you're going to sh- i'll have to show a lot of respect for i think yeah did, a couple of years ago when when uh josh hayes was racing over there did you did you see him talk to him when he was involved in that riding that fj 1200 1300 whatever it was um in australia yeah, my memory from Josh in Australia was that he'd done a few rides in Australian Superbike. Yes. Um, maybe at a MotoGP support event or something. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and I knew Josh. I knew of Josh, obviously, from my racing days because um, he was he was obviously the, the pinnacle of the sport back then as well. Um, yeah, he he's a great guy, Josh. I mean, always so supportive. I, I think even back then he mentioned, you know, if you ever want to come out of the States, let me know and um, yeah, just a really, really nice guy. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully, I get the same reception from all the riders over here. Over there, yeah, you, over you there, but, here in the states, something. You will for a while. We'll <laughs> 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 see how see how it goes. Yeah, but um, so I have to go back to something you said. So I cannot believe you're from the same place as Reg O'Rourke. So listen, I could understand Peter Doyle. I could understand what Matt Maladin was saying. I never could understand a damn thing that Reg ever said. I mean, what, I don't know what his accent was, but you're, you're, uh, I can understand you perfectly. What's the deal with that guy? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, all, all I know, all I can tell you about Reg is if, if you're at a bar and, and he takes his teeth out, You've got yeah. to get out of there. 
You're yeah, right. we know. But he, we know about he, that. He's about to get real angry. So <laughs> yeah. you might not be able to understand him, but if he takes the teeth out, you got to remember to get it, get out of the way because you're in trouble. <laughs> but, uh, no, I can understand. I can understand Rage fine. Um, yeah, but that was always the running joke. I think was yeah, he was. He almost spoke a different language even to the other Australian. Yeah. Mechanic. <laughs> We know about the teeth too. That's pretty funny. I forgot about that actually. That's pretty good, Troy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We know you've got a flight to catch. How much time do you have? Well, my the the team owner just delivered me a coffee and a croissant, so it must be delayed a bit longer. So I think when he gives me a wave, I'll I'll have to go. But you've got to be careful because my old team, my old team in the last ten years used to call me Mini Mark. My dad's name's Mark, and I and he talks a lot. So, um, yeah, if we, I might get you stuck here for. Over, That's over great. Time. Now, I the know best. I want to listen to an Aussie guy ramble on for an hour and a half. Everybody <laughs> that does a podcast likes to have a guy on there that can talk a lot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. We well, I've got way. Sean. Sean can't <laughs> shut up. So I never stop. I never stop. <laughs> well, I do want to, and it's really hard at the moment. Now we've got everyone talking. The screens are going. Um, I know between two people. So I'm getting confused every time. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Hey, well, so let me, let me ask you this. So you mentioned about motocross. I've always said motocross is the absolute devil for road racers because you guys always seem to get hurt doing that stuff, but it's such a great form of training for you. Do you do moto to, to train with? Is that part of, part of it for you? Yeah, I do. I, I've done a lot of motocross um, when I when I went to the states because I was a flat track guy and I needed the help in supermoto, and then sort of found a love for it and, and got a lot more competitive with it. And and then I had I had about four years where I didn't ride motocross up until my injury in 2021. And that, and part of the process last year I was just sort of a bit stale. I, the first two rounds last year I, I I was on the podium, but I could tell that I was not not going to be winning anything, and I needed to change something up. So I started. The motocross again and and um i was riding motocross three days a week last year and and honestly it's a double-edged sword the intensity you ride at on the motocross bike and and being comfortable being uncomfortable that that when you get back to the road race track it just meant that i was rolling out of the pit lane for fp1 and i was really comfortable straight away because you're riding three days a week um over a changing surface and the bike's out of control as such um but then you've got the crashing aspect and, and, and like I do credit, like for me as a rider, that the team and I done a good job. But for my riding only last year, I credit the motocross a lot. And it was, it was a double-edged sword because the intensity I was riding on the motocross bike meant that I was falling sometimes. Um, but I got away with it and, 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 that, and that I think made me a better motorbike rider. Um, I, I got really lucky with the injury. We had an uh, eight-week break. Um, after my collarbone and rib injury, so so no one really seen. I, I didn't. You, you wouldn't have even known I had an injury, but I didn't tell anyone. So, but yeah, there is that aspect of it, and it's. I think it's just about um, weighing up the risk to reward, and that's where when you when you're a competitive person and you get to a track, that's the hardest thing because there seems to be a lot of reward to beat your friends, but yeah, it's not actually that much reward, is it? It's a lot of risk just to beat your friends, <laughs> <laughs> right? Now I've I've also heard that you're like a top-notch cyclist. Is that accurate? Well, yeah, I, I've 
yeah, over the years I've, I've dabbled in cycling and racing. I've finished um, top 20 at the, the national the national road championships a few times. And, um, yeah, been on the podium in, in some mountain bike um, cross-country nationals and um, just just love it. I, my wife, Emily, I met in 2015. She um, she was, you know, borderline. Well, she was basically a pro cyclist at the time. And, and um, yeah, so we just the first few years before kids come along, we were just traveling around racing bicycles whenever, wow. whenever we could. And probably, you know, I took up cycling in the States, um, with a couple of guys I raced supermoto with Chris Fulmore was one of them. He was doing a lot of mountain biking and, and yeah, looked up to Ben Bostrom as an athlete. Um, he was a, an extreme athlete and, and I sort of liked his processes and, and, um, he definitely had that addictive personality like I've got with the cycling. And it's, it's a sport that you wouldn't think would translate from motorcycling, but there's something about it that's, um, that's addictive. And once I got started on the cycling path, I just wanted to, to race as much as I could. And, and being in Australia, the series is, is seven or eight rounds a year. I had, I had time to do it. It just made it easy to do it, and, and I enjoyed it. So, But now that the kids have come along um, – yeah, it's a. It's not not as easy to get out for four hours on your bike. <laughs> it's a more more a, a run here and there and some gym and and um yeah more focused to the motorcycle at the moment. So did you purposely have kids to slow the wife down? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> yeah. It was getting where, especially after my injury. After my injury, you know, I think my first ride on our main training loop, there's a climb of about twenty minutes. I think I think her fastest time is about. 19 and a half minutes and I'd been out there four or five times since the injury and you know I hadn't cracked under 21 minutes and and um and she took me out there and luckily the climb's a little bit shallow so you get a bit of a slipstream and um and went, yeah when we got to the bottom of the climb the first time she thought she'd be able to beat me and she's taken off and I sat on the whole way the whole way and then she got me she broke me by about five seconds at the top and I haven't that down I mean, I was only riding on one and a half legs, but she still beat me. So she's she's not letting me have that one. That's so right. That, um, yeah, you've got to. You can't be the second fastest cyclist in the family. No. <laughs> I Troy, I have to ask you a, a kind of a local yokel question. So I live about a half an hour east of Columbus. When you were in Supermoto, did you have that event? Were you, did you race in that event in Columbus? What would the event have been it, called? It was. I'll try and jog my memory. It, it was Supermoto, but it was like in downtown Columbus. It was kind of like through the streets and everything. It was. I, I know there was obviously a dirt section too, but I thought they had something that was right down in the city at one okay. point. Maybe, maybe it wasn't then. Yeah, I think the only the only street circus I got to race was I think Rio and um, the Queen Mary in Long Beach. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I was there. Yeah. Okay. I know it was around that time, but no, most of them um, was. Did you have a favorite track that you liked when you did Supermoto in the U.S.? Yeah, what um, I loved. We we raced to Connecticut on a on a speedway. Ah, uh, sorry, Nashville, Tennessee was my favorite. Um, oh, Nashville! It was on an oval track, and and I and I hadn't I hadn't um at that time I. I think I took my first pole position there and I was, you know, way faster than everyone and, and it was probably it was probably the first event that I definitely should have won and um and I crashed out of that event. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I just remember the oval was so much fun. Um yeah, you're wide open, sixth gear on the 
on the 450 and then then you'd back into the banking up the bank and down to the dirt section um, but the supermoto was just so much fun all around i mean i just wish it had have really taken off i mean to this day i i'm not sure i've had more fun than the days about you know training with chris Fillmore um around the country and, and just yeah dirt road it's there's so much versatility but you, you can do anything you can enjoy any part of the day whether it's the dirt or the road and then the times i've done x games ktm would close up the supercross track for me and i could go and ride supercross on my supermoto bike so supermoto just opened up ways to do anything any discipline from flat track road racing motocross supercross so it was really enjoyable and all the tracks were really quirky and fun which x games did you win your gold medal so I actually got second at the X Games. You didn't I, get a I gold medal. I down in the lead one year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I've got an X Games silver medal. Yeah, that's uh, all right. I didn't want to have to correct you on that because it sounded so good. But Yeah, uh, I should have I, I I shut up. In 2008, and Mark Burkhardt actually won. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I tried to, I tried to not to say anything, but yeah, Mark Burkhardt <laughs> won that. So all right. I got a second. Where, where, which X, yeah, where whenever, was that X Games? had a lot of, a lot of jumps. Um, that was that mm. was X Game Moto X World Championships at San Diego mm. that oh, year, and then Paul's- one year I was I was leading X Games one year, and my bike my bike broke. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll so, count it. Point. <laughs> All right, Sean, you got anything else? Did you did you like the format of the X Games or was it a lot of, you know, seemed like a, from what I heard, you guys were, you'd sit in that lounge all the time and then you'd have your event and then you'd go back in that lounge for a while because there's so many events going on there that aren't related to motorcycles. But did you like being a part of that? I, I think I just appreciated that we're a part of it. So, yeah, the, yeah. the waiting around wasn't ideal, but it was fun. I mean, you know, for, for me as a, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old guy, um, there's a lot of guys competing, whether it's BMX, skateboard, and freestyle, a lot of guys that I've grown up watching. So for me, yeah, half the fun was, was getting around watching that. And then, yeah, and then being on a stage like, like you know, on a stage so high, it was, it was just, I just appreciated to be there, to be honest. Oh, Paul, I've got one more I've got to ask Troy. So a little background here, Troy. I grew up... In, in New York, very close to Canada. I watched a lot of Canadian TV. That's all that we got. That and one U.S. channel. Okay. Canadian TV, they actually have a lot of Australian programming on there because I guess they're a commonwealth or whatever. So one of my, oh my favorite God, no. shows, one of my favorite <laughs> shows when I, well, my favorite series of movies is Mad Max, but that doesn't count. My favorite TV show when I was a kid was a show called Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Have you ever heard of Skippy the Bush Kangaroo? <laughs> you know, don't yeah. you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that was on, I think, 4, 4 p.m. or 4.30 p.m. I'd get off the school bus and Skippy yes. was coming on. And I'd always wonder why I could never find a kangaroo that could could be like Skippy. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that show. It was like... Oh, yeah, that, it was that, like was a, that was a famous show in Australia. <laughs> yeah, it was huge in Canada, too. And I love the fact that the thing was kind of like Lassie for when it was a kangaroo. I loved it. It was so awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. With with that, we'll yeah. let him catch funny, his Mad Max, I've, I've done a lot of training with a, with a motocross rider in Australia, um, Stephen Gall. He's a, he was a, a Mr. Motocross rider, and he's about – he's in his early 60s now. But, um, yeah, Gawley done the – the stunt riding for Mad Max, and at his house, he's got um, a big R1, R1 motor, like, superbike um, with knobby tyres, um, all the 
you know, all the stuff hanging off it, the long swing arm and the exact bike he'd done the stunt riding on. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. That's very cool. I love those movies so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, Sean, we're going to let him go. Okay. Troy, again, thanks for, I'm glad, I'm glad we got our days worked out and all that stuff. I know it can happen because they're day I'm glad ahead. we got this worked out because I was starting to, I was starting to probably sound like I was a bit, bit highly strung and hard to deal with. I'm, no. you know, I was out by a day. I'm trying to put you off because of a flight. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually easy going. Yeah, I know. I we can tell I that. <laughs> I, I, I knew you would be, so I wasn't worried, but uh, thanks for joining us. And, yeah. and obviously we're, we're stoked to have you and we can't wait to, uh, to see you in action at Daytona. Yeah, I really can't wait to get over there, and and I, I appreciate um, the warm welcome, and yeah, all the guys in your motorcycles have been great. I just uh, I hope I can get over there and see some old Submoto friends, maybe in the road racing paddock, and and um, yeah, can't wait to meet everyone and, and see what Moto America is all about. Yeah, you'll like Very it. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Troy. Thanks, guys. Chat you soon.